Glory to God who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. A great great debate has broken out in my household, one that I believe will not be settled on this side of the Lord's coming. One day, Christine had prepared hot dogs for the girls, and I heard her say to Rebecca, would you like ketchup on your hot dog? Ketchup on your hot dog? Repento, sinner. (laughs) Only mustard belongs on a hot dog. One does not put ketchup on a hot dog, for these are opposed to one another. (laughs) Those are opposed to one another, too. Well, that's probably a funny but very weak analogy to what St. Paul is trying to get to in our second lesson today. In his letter to the Galatians, beginning in chapter 5, verse 16, he bids the people of God, and so he bids us to walk by the Spirit. As Christians, we are God's anointed ones. The word Christian does not mean one who is a disciple of Jesus, at least not primarily, or a follower of the teachings of Jesus. To be a Christian means to be God's anointed. We are all in Christ, God's anointed people, and we have been anointed by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And so Paul commends us, or rather commands us, by his authority as apostle in the church, to walk by the Spirit. We are not to gratify the desires of the flesh. And he goes on to say, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other. We cannot be God's anointed ones, persons who have been anointed by the power and uh, the presence of God's Holy Spirit, and at the same time be persons who walk according to the flesh. And yet so often we are. God's anointed ones walking according to the flesh, justifying ourselves as we walk. Paul tells us that we must wake up. We must realize that we cannot be both of the word and of the world, of the spirit and of the desires of the flesh. We are called to be fully God's anointed ones. Like a marriage, as crazy as the wedding day can be, it's easy compared to every day afterward. The wedding day itself is easy. It's the living out of that life in holy matrimony. That's hard. 
where we must continually, as we did one time on the day of holy matrimony, die to our life as we knew it before. We must die daily submitting to one another in holy matrimony. So it is in the church. In one sense, the day of baptism was easy. It's the living out of who we are as God's anointed in the everyday that's hard. But Paul reminds us that we are to walk by the Spirit and not according to the flesh, for they are opposed to one another. Hot dog ketchup. <laughs> Relish is okay. That's in the Apocrypha. It's allowed. <laughs> Will God's people ever agree? So we cannot walk by the Spirit and according to the world. And so he calls us to repent. And how easy it is for us to justify ourselves and believe ourselves to be walking according to the Spirit when we were walking according to the flesh. I know because I have done it. I have done it. Wouldn't it be great if we all knew when we were uh, in the Spirit, our guardian angel would come and put a sign around our neck that says, walking according to the Spirit. And then when we're not, guardian angel comes, takes it off, walking according to the world and his own desires. Then you could look down and say, oh boy, I thought I was justified. I thought that I was walking. It's very clear by my guardian angel, that I'm not. Of course, my poor guardian angel would be flying in and out throughout the same day, sometimes within the same hour. No, we aren't given a sign except for the sign of Jesus Christ, crucified and raised. And this must be what we receive into our hearts and allow to take root and to bear forth fruit in our lives through the Spirit. He says that we are not to walk according to the flesh. He says that the works of the flesh are plain. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. And that like means whatever you are struggling with in particular. If it didn't make the list, there it is, and the like. And I can give a sermon on each one of these and how we have sometimes allowed these into our lives or into our marriages or our homes or our families or our relationships or our ministries or our church. But we are to flee from such things, whether it be fornication, impurity before marriage, or impurity in general, whether it be of thought, word, or action. Or licentiousness, or idolatry. Now, often when we hear of idolatry, we say, yes, but Father Michael, I haven't build, built a golden calf in my backyard for weeks now. But idolatry is so many things. Idolatry can be putting ourselves above others or justifying ourselves before God, putting ourselves before Him. 
And then it goes on, sorcery, enmity, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit, and the like. But then he goes on to tell us about the fruits of the Spirit. How are we to recognize if the Holy Spirit is at work in our life, if we're walking according to the Spirit rather than the flesh? Well, we, we get some insight from the first list, don't we? If we can identify some of those things in our life, we know that those are areas where we are not walking according to the Spirit, right? Um, you know, as I read that list, I, I can say, oh, yep, that one and that one, right? And so there are signs that in those areas, I'm not allowing the Spirit to be free to move within my heart and life or my marriage, or my home, or my family, or my ministry. But then we have the other side of the mirror to look at. Paul goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the signs of the Spirit. Now, here's the difficult question as we're looking in the mirror. Which one do we see? If we're being honest, what do other people see if they see us as individuals? Or if they were to stay with you in your home for a time? Or if they were to come and visit this church, what would they see? Which list? And note that the first one is love. As you'll hear in a little while, John Wesley says that love is the springboard for all the rest. It's so important for us to remember. We are to share, according to the Word of God, we are to share the truth in love. There is a truth, but it must be shared in love, in love. 1 Corinthians 13, 2, Paul says, And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. I am nothing. And so how is our faith? What filter does it come through? Does it come through self-justification? Does it come through anger or self-righteousness? Does it come through unforgiveness? Does it come through hardness of heart? Or does it come through, does it well up within us and come through love? For we are to share the truth in love and even if we understood all things and had the greatest of all faith, if we had not loved, we have nothing. We are to see others, we are told, through the lens of love. What does that mean? That means to see others as God would see them. Not in their sinfulness, but to separate the sin from the sinner. To love that person as Christ loves them. To love as Christ loves us. 
And if we cannot, then we have failed to remember that we were loved by Jesus when we were unlovable. We were forgiven by Jesus when we did not deserve forgiveness. We were redeemed not because we were righteous, but because we were unrighteous. And so we must look upon others in love. For if we look to the world, then we will die with the world. But if we look to the word, then we shall live. For the word of God is eternal. Now you all know the bishop loves to quote poetry. And one of the ones he quotes to me the most is he'll say, Father, two men looked out from prison bars. One saw mud, the other stars. If we look to the earth, we will, to the world, we will die with the world. We will be sucked into the mud. But if we look to the heavens, then we will see ourselves, one another, and others, and even those people who drive us absolutely batty. And yes, I'm looking at you, Deacon Susie. No, I'm kidding. We will see them with the love of Christ. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And this love, which is not a love of this world, but a love that is eternal, that has its root, the most sacred heart of Jesus Christ, the very love of God that was poured out for you and for me on the cross, it will bear fruit, and the fruits shall be joy. Notice it's joy, not happiness. There's a difference between joy and happiness. But we will always, even in times when we don't have happiness, we will always have the joy of the Spirit within us. We will have peace. And again, this isn't the type of peace that we're all praying for in places like Syria and Egypt. This is that peace of God which passes all understanding, that keeps our heart and mind and the knowledge and love of God, not looking to the mud, but looking to the stars of heaven. This is that peace that we have within us as we minister, as we walk through the trials and tribulations of this world, and we have a peace which makes no sense to the world. And it's a peace which sustains us and enables us to continue to look upon ourselves and one another and others in love. Patience. Patience. Perhaps we are most Christ-like when we have patience. For his patience for us has been eternal. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Now that doesn't mean anything goes. You can be hard against the sin and gentle towards the sinner. To love. For against these things there is no law. And so I want to quote John Wesley as I begin to wrap up the, the sermon. I've already made the Mass a little bit longer by forgetting to sense the altar during the Gloria. I had a liturgical professor who said, whenever you make a mistake as you correct it, do it boldly and with great solemnity so people think it was part of the Mass. So if you trip and fall down, you say, bow down before the Lord. And so today I just turned and 
as if, you know, great solemnity as we sense the altar in silence. But it actually was just my mistake. John Wesley says in his notes on Galatians 5, 16 and following, he says, love is the root of all the rest of the fruits of the Spirit. Not a love of this world, not a love that has its source your heart, but the love that has as its sort, source the heart of God. Love is the root of all the rest. It leads, he says, to gentleness toward all men. Ignorant and wicked men, he says, in particular. Gentleness toward all ignorant and wicked persons in particular. He goes on to talk about the goodness that is spoken here and reminds us that in the Greek that this word is benign, it's soft, it's tender, it's tempered. It relates us to meekness. He goes on then to say that if we truly have the Spirit, we will have love, which is the filter or the springboard for all the rest of the fruits of the Spirit, but then goes on to tell us how this should then manifest itself within the Christian community. He says, we are to bear ye one another's burdens. Your struggle is my struggle. Your joy is my joy. We are to sympathize with and assist each other in all our weaknesses, grievances, trials. And in doing so, we fulfill the law of Christ. This is our Lord's command. And it distinguishes us from the world as his disciples. And now me and not John Wesley and shows evidence that within our family, within our hearts, within our lives, within our ministries, we bear this fruit of the Spirit. He goes on to warn, if anyone think himself to be something, and we saw that with Naaman, didn't he? Naaman wanted to be healed. And he wanted a big show about it, because he felt that he was important. And he's told to go and wash in the Jordan. He doesn't realize what a big deal that is. He will be used as a prophetic foreshadowing of holy baptism where persons beginning with, well, where where Christ will be baptized and persons being baptized into Christ will be washed clean. Will be washed clean. But he doesn't see its importance. So he gets mad. He gets angry. Do you think he felt justified? You betcha. But he was wrong. He thought of himself to be something above his brethren. And so John Wesley reminds us that we are never to think of ourselves as above someone else. If we do, then we are failing to separate that person from their sin and we are standing in judgment of, over them rather than over the sin. He says when, when he is nothing, he is deceiving himself, thinking he is something. Bear one another's burdens. This is the fruit of the Spirit by which we are to walk by individually, 
in our friendships, in our marriages, in our homes, in our families, in our lives, and at work, at school, in the church. For anything else is of the world. It's mud in place of the stars. And do I dare say it's ketchup on a hot dog. These are opposed to one another. Let our prayer be today that we will repent from anything in our hearts, lives, homes, families, marriages, friendships, relationships, in this church, in this ministry, at school or at work, that shows the works of the flesh. And let us renew our walk in the Spirit of God and let the love of God be the very first fruit. For in this love are all the others born. Glory to God, who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen.